Hey y'all, this is Grant. Life on Side B is a ministry of Posture Shift, a missiological ministry equipping church leaders and parents on LGBTQ inclusion and care. You can learn more at PostureShift.com. We also want to thank all our patrons who keep the podcast going and growing through their continued giving. If you love this podcast, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash life on side B. Now let's get into the episode. Hello, hello, Life on Side B listeners. Uh, This is Elizabeth Black here, uh, your new co-host. Um, and really excited to be here with a special friend of mine um, who is no stranger to you all. If uh, you've listened to the podcast in previous seasons, you've heard from him before. If you've been at Revoice, you've heard of him and from him before. So he is beloved in our community. So I just want to like introduce you to our good friend, Art Pereira. Um, Art. Can you say hi and, yeah, just give a little shout out? Hi. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I uh, I do feel – it is weird. Like when I'm at Revoice, people are like, oh, so how is your friend doing? Um, and they're just like no random glimpses of my life, either from <laughs> like Revoice or Life on Side V. And I'm always like, I'm sorry, what was your name? <laughs> oh. So hi, friends. Uh, good to be here. <laughs> And uh, super excited about today's topic. Um, yes. I like friendship a lot, so I love talking about friendship. So glad you're here for it. No, our, I feel you all the time. I'm like, oh my gosh, hi, so nice to meet you. Have I met you before? Yeah. Do I know you? I'm really sorry. Oh, we're besties? Sorry about yeah. that. Well, and I have ADHD, so like, it's either we've never met, which is like very often, and people are just like name dropping that they have like heard a thing I did and then like no weird details about my life which I'm like yes, yes which is normal and also I'm like ah or we have actually met like three times and I just have ADHD um or we knew each other on the internet and therefore I don't know how tall you are and I'm just really <laughs> well this is what we get for talking about our sexuality so much uh-huh. is that people just know way too much about us like yeah. it's just we asked for it. What can I say? Yeah, that's good. Well, our, we are so excited to have you. I'm so excited about this topic today. We are talking about committed friendships, and I love this um, because, yeah, I mean, so many reasons. I think friendship's so important, but there's something really distinct about the idea and the concept of committed friendships, and I myself um, am in a committed friendship as a married woman. So, um, you know, with my husband, but with also with a really great friend. Uh, so I, I'm excited to hear about your perspective, Art, and then also, you know, be able to like hear and reflect and go back and forth with you about my experience as well. So this should be, this should be really good. So before we like get into the nitty gritty of the questions, um, I just want for our listeners to like know and understand what, how do you define committed friendship? And then tell us about your either friend Posse or one particular friend that you're in a committed friendship with. Yeah. um, So committed friendship is an interesting idea in my life. I almost never use that language. I tend to just use family language, um, largely because I'm an only child. So family language is less complicated, I think, for me than for other people. Um, even like my main friend, Nick, that we'll talk about today, like he has siblings. Um, and so family language means a whole other thing for him. But um, because I was an only child growing up, 
like the idea of friends becoming family was just always really appealing. I'm also like Brazilian and Brazilians, you just have a lot of like cousins, um, especially when you're an immigrant. Like there's just like a lot of people who become part of your family structure that are not blood family. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like close friends were always like half a step away from becoming family anyway. Um, but for me, committed friendship is just this idea that like there's a chosenness in that, that we're going and we're going, hey, um, I really like you, but this is not just a temporary thing. We're going to choose to make this long haul. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've got a pretty extensive chosen family. Um, I always tell people I'm an only child by blood and I have six brothers. <laughs> um, so I have some really close friends. Um, and it started with my my three best friends from college. Um, just hit this moment right before I realized I was gay and was going to be celibate. Um where we were all like, hey, we feel more like family than just like friends who were friends in college. Um, And so as a community, we were like, let's choose each other. Let's just like be in it to win it. Um, My friend Tommy always jokes like the way he would describe it is no friend divorce. Um, There's just like no divorcing each other. There's no like breaking up. We're like, we will figure it out. So when our brother Jack moved to Illinois, like that meant figuring out how to stay really close with Jack. Like you didn't just get to grow apart because he was in Illinois. Um, and then from that, one of, one of my brothers, his name is Nick. Um, as I started discerning celibacy, like four or five years ago, um, he felt more and more called to carry that with me. Um, and I just remember one day, like being on the phone with him, I'd gotten home from a rough day at work. I was home alone and I was like in tears. Um, and he said, man, I'm, I'm really dedicated to finding a way to make this some more joyful for you. Wow. Um, and so he just felt like, okay, if you're going to be called a celibacy, I don't want that to be lonely. Why don't you become part of my family? Um, in a more like everyday sense. So, um, I live with Nick now and, um, that committed friendship has meant more than just like, Hey, we're going to find ways to like navigate life together, whether at a distance or up close. Um, but with Nick, that's meant we're going to find ways to be up close. Uh, and so like we, we won't move without the other, um, there's, I always tell people there's like way more nuance than people might think. So like, like people are always like, you're going to live in his house when he's married. I'm like, yeah, maybe, or I'll live next door or we'll buy a duplex or, um, you know, I'll hit the jackpot and Bitcoin will blow up and I will buy a whole cul-de-sac, you know? Um, and like in, in my dream world, I just have a cul-de-sac that all my family lives on. Um, can I live there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're worth yeah, okay, The cul-de-sac has room. Like, there's. Yeah. I just. I. I just love the idea of communal living so much, and I've always yeah. loved that. Um, and so we started exploring that, and then about um, a year and a half ago, we actually moved in together, after just like years of discussing and praying, and it's just been the best. Hmm. Mm. That's so beautiful. I love it. I. I hear like. So much intentionality, which I think is so beautiful. And I think one thing that, like, really strikes me about your story of, like, coming into these committed friendships, or really, I'm with you, like, family. I I use family language, too. Is that it came before you, like, came out to yourself and to, to your family. And, you know, I don't think that there's a right way or wrong way or better timing. Like, it's all in God's hands. But I think that there's something really beautiful in the fact that, like, they were committed to you and it wasn't because they were taking pity on you and it wasn't because they saw you were in, like, a, you know, quote-unquote difficult spot. It's because you guys genuinely loved one another and wanted to be there for each other through whatever life was going to bring, 
And now, like, what a beautiful gift that is for you as a as a gay, you know, person committed to, you know, celibacy. I think it's so cool art. So yeah, I mean, it, it made coming out so much easier because we already had structures in our friendship for like talking about the hard stuff. Yeah. Um, but also like learning how to navigate. I mean when we all decided we were going to be family, it was like before any of us got married. Uh, and now two of our brothers are married. Um, they both have kids. And so like, we've had to navigate all these changes. And so we had structures in place for like, okay, we talk about when life changes, we talk about how to stick together, even when it's hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm super curious to hear about your committed friendship because I did not know you were in one. So when I got the invite for this, I was like, wait, this is so exciting. Surprise! I mean, similar to you, I was just talking to my friend yesterday who lives with us. Um, her name's Masha. And I was telling her, like, oh, tomorrow I'm talking to Art and we're going to talk about committed friendship, like you and me. And she's like, ew, I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> which is so, which is so Masha. And she was like, I don't want to be called committed friends. Like, can't we just be like family? Like, can't we just be like besties like can't there was just something about it like yeah. the language that doesn't sit right for her but I was like you know the truth girl like don't even play like you live with me you wipe my kids butt sometimes when need be like you're, <laughs> you're more than just my casual friends so don't even play yeah that's amazing <laughs> so yeah anyway I I have a dear friend who actually used to be my intern at my last ministry and she's like 10 years younger than me could be my littlest little sister and I'm the youngest so I'm not used to have I always wanted like a sibling and we just became close friends and a few years back you know she shared her story with me about her own sexuality and she's actually she was the first person that I came out to um, oh. which was quite beautiful at, actually at revoice like at the end of a revoice just sharing with her and um, and it's just we were already family before them, but I think it's just made our bond even closer. And um, as soon as we both left our previous ministries, we were like, of course, we're going to live together as a family. And my husband adores her. So, like, we just have a weird old family that people always ask questions about. So, which I have tons of questions for you. Yeah. Um, well, I'm sure we're going to share more about that as we move forward. But, yeah, it's like I'm on the other side, maybe, of the committed friendship as somebody who is in a partnership who's married um but has a single friend who is like my sister for life so yeah. totally feel you so all right i'm curious i mean you've already kind of touched on this a little bit but just to help like really dis make it distinct and narrow it down what would you say is the difference between like a casual or or even not even a casual, just like a close friendship versus what you would see as a committed friendship or I'm going to use your language, like this brotherhood, like what really makes it distinct for you? You know, what's interesting to me is that like, I think when I was younger, I thought like all friends had to be like super intense and basically I, I I've always just wanted to be everyone's best friend and like super jealous sort of friend. Like if you have any other friends, yes. I'm like, I'll kill them and keep <laughs> you for myself. Oh my um, gosh. If you've ever seen that old movie misery, 
Like I just I always no. oh, okay. I always felt like I was like half a step away from like slashing someone's car tires and just like keeping them as my friend, and that's it. Yes, Our, um, I think we're the same person. <laughs> that's great. I'm, this interview is also going to get me fired. So people are like, oh, this guy is not safe. Um, but like as a kid, I was like really like every friendship has to be super intense. And as I've gotten older, I've just realized like the value of having different sorts of friendships. Um, I think there are friends we have because we work with people and there are friends we have because we live near people and those friendships are so valuable and life-giving. Um, and I think psychologically, even like there's reason to believe they give us a sense of home geographically. Like what makes my yeah. town home is that I have some friends who live across town and I maybe get coffee with them once a month. Um, and if we were to move, like probably we would keep in touch, but we wouldn't talk every week. Yeah. Um, but like it makes it home that I yeah, can get coffee yeah. with them once a it's month. It's like they're yeah. part of the neighborhood. Right, exactly. Yeah. And so I think I've realized there's just different like styles of friendship and a lot of friendships are temporary. Um, a lot of my most meaningful relationships, I mean, my dad passed away when I was in college and there were some oh. friends who walked me through that wow. who were like so pivotal in that season of my life and I just don't talk to them anymore. Um, and as, as opposed to like that just being a tragedy, I've realized like, wow, God is such a beautiful God that brings Ooh. us the people we need in different seasons. And some yeah. people we keep. Um, and some people are temporary. They're part of a season. They're what makes a season beautiful. And that's that. Um, committed friendship for me is the people that we go. I mean, like my brother Tommy would say, no friend divorce. Like that uh, we're sticking together. We will make this work. We will we will work through any fight. Um, we will find ways to stay close. We will find Ooh. ways to stay updated. Um, and so when my brother Jack moves to Illinois, that has meant finding ways to like know more about his life, even when he's, you know, surrounded by corn. Um, <laughs> and just like to keep updated on him and like how to be praying for him. It means like fighting for a friend's family. Wow. Um, whereas I think there are other friends friendships in my life that I go, okay, yeah, we were really close when I was at the job and now we've grown apart a bit. And that's not like, not to be heartless, that's not like a dismissive thing, um, but it is a reality that God will bring us like temporary people. And I think also there are a few people God, in my experience, frankly, calls us um, to be long haul with. Um, totally. Most of my committed friendships are people I felt like the Lord was like, hey, this is this is your family now and you're responsible for them. Yes, yes, yes. And I think that that, that like supersedes even the time and space aspect as well. It's like, there's there's actually like a declaration in a certain way because I have friends that I've been friends with since I was a kid or friends that I've been friends with since I was in college, which has been a long time. I don't even want to count how many years that's been, but it's been a while. Um, and they're like good friends of mine and we can pick it up, you know, like you can pick it right back up and they know so much about you. But I think what really distinguishes and I don't know if you would agree, but like what distinguishes that from my relationship, let's say, with Masha is that she will never be homeless. Like, not that I would let my other friends be homeless, but you know what I mean? Like, she yeah. she always has a home. She always has food on the table. Like, I live my life with her, and so does my family. And, like, there, there's just that, like, extreme level of commitment. You know, it almost reminds me of um, – Oh gosh, now I'm forgetting. But it almost uh, Naomi and, yeah, Ruth and Naomi. Ruth. Where you go, I go. Your people are my people. Yes, and it yeah. doesn't mean that they're like married or anything. But yeah. there was just this like declaration of commitment, and I, I yeah. think that's a distinction. I, I mean, Ruth and Naomi are big like 
I mean, reading their story, I see so much of my relationship with Nick that there's been an aspect where we go, okay, so where you go, I'm going to go. You know, if you're going to move, I'm going to move. Um, and whoever your people are, as you get married, as you like have kids, they're my people. Yes, uh, yes. I think we see a lot of that with David and Jonathan too. Um, and frankly, in the mm. New Testament, we see it a lot with Paul yes. and Barnabas and um, Paul's other missionary companions that like Paul would not go on missions voyages alone. He had his people, you know, he Absolutely. had his people that he went and like lived life with. Um, and I, I feel the same way that that's, that's, especially with my friendship with Nick, where we consider each other a household. You know, where he goes, I go. Um, yeah. I, I was telling someone recently that at this point, I think New Jersey is not my ideal place to live. Um, but there are some very real ways which I'm here because I'm, I'm loyal to Nick. And you don't like New I'm, Jersey? I like it. Um, <laughs> it's every time I visit my side B friends in San Diego, I'm like, what am I doing paying New Jersey prices for New Jersey weather? In the cold, exactly. Right. Like uh, people like to complain about California being expensive, but then I go out there and I'm like, this is just New Jersey prices. What are we doing? <laughs> Uh, so I'm just I'm not here to pay like San Diego prices for New Jersey levels of like gray skies. Yeah. So I'm either gonna need someone to pay my rent or I'm gonna need some more sunshine. I'm just saying if you're in if you're on the East Coast in like the New York area, you gotta be in the city, dude. I, I know I'm partial, but I just feel like if you're gonna deal with the cold weather and high prices, Come on over. I like actively to hate NYC. the city. So this is going to, I'm going to get haters for this, but I actively hate the city. So I, you got uh, your first hater right here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just that's okay. It's not for everyone. Yeah. If you can't make it here, you know, that's fine. <laughs> There's always New Jersey. There is always New Jersey. <laughs> no, but honestly, Art, I'm just thinking about what you were saying about um, just kind of people's perspectives on your relationship. And, and also like the, it's definitely countercultural, right? Like right. you're living with your friend who's single, who might get married or whatever, who knows? Like my friend's living with a married couple. I can't tell you how many awkward conversations I've had. And oh, I'm, yeah. I'm feeling that you have too. So that that's kind of where I wanted to go next was like, how do you deal with awkward conversations? What has it been like? Have you had any haters? Like, because it's definite, as much as I want to say, and you're right, like, we see it in the Bible. It's huge in other cultures. Like, it, this is not a foreign concept, but unfortunately, in Western American world, it's it's just not commonplace. Yeah, I we've definitely, and we've gotten everything from, like, confusion to flat out, like, people insisting that we are living in sin. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, at, at our worst, we've had... So I was a pastor for a while, and he is a pastor. And so, like, people have called our workplaces to be like, they are living it. Like, and, like, oh, so, like we've gotten, like, every level of extreme. Um, we, we did a webinar for Revoice, like, a year and a half ago. And after that, I mean, forget it. The internet blew up and was like, great <laughs> gay couple. Um, which, like, honestly... It would just be so much easier to just be affirming than go through all those right? things. Yes. Um, which, I mean, and that's besides the fact that Nick is heterosexual. Yeah, it wouldn't change your relationship at all. Right. It's just at least people would, like, harass you about it. Right, right. right. Um, I, I think, I on the one hand, I try to be patient because I get it. It's weird. Like, um, And I've become more patient because I think I've developed a lot of compassion for people who don't get it. Hmm. Um, I, I actually, like... And Nick is a better person than I am. So this has been his outlook from the beginning. Um, 
Nick just gets really sad when people don't get it. Mm. And I'm like all angry and like, oh, they're so annoying. He's like, don't you think they must be so lonely? And I'm like, what yeah. do you mean? You know, and but like, like Nick always says, he's like, it's sad when people don't get it because it means they don't believe how beautiful friendship can actually be. Wow. Um, and so I've developed a lot of compassion for people who are so confused by a relationship because it, they really struggle to see any sort of intimacy as other like it, it can only be sexual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For a couple, a decent amount of the time. It helps. I I typically refer to Nick as my brother, just like I do my other committed friends. Um, I use brother language for Nick almost exclusively. Um, it's it. very rare that I will introduce him as my friend. Um, and then inevitably there's like a moment where someone's like, wait, how many brothers do you have? <laughs> um, I'm an only child, but I'm so <laughs> Um you're an only child with a million brothers. Yeah, it's exactly. So yeah. And like other chosen family. Um, but so having compassion has been really helpful. Um, and I do explain like, yeah, um, especially if they know I'm celibate, which most mm. people do, I'll talk about like Nick has felt really called to help me like live in community. Um, and so we share life together. Mm. Um, it, I think it can be hard depending who is like giving us a hard time and the extent yeah. like I, I typically don't mind questions, although sometimes it gets old. There are people though, who like, no matter what you say, um, they will insist that you are romantic. Yeah. They're not satisfied. Totally. Yeah. Um, so like, I can be like, Oh, like Nick is my best friend and we are really close. And he's like my brother. And then I'll say, man, I love that guy. And someone's like, see, you love a man, you homosexual. Mm. Like, and I'm like, wow. Yes. I am a homosexual. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm like, people like insist on seeing what they want to see. Um, instead of totally. like, taking us at our word, that's what really is difficult is when I feel like, um, there's nothing Ooh. I'm going to say that's going to change how you see this relationship. Yeah. Like you've yeah. decided what it is and that's that. I almost wonder, this just kind of came to me. I almost wonder, is this, is this a chance or an opportunity for you and for other people in these kind of relationships to experience a little bit more of, of the experience of Christ? Like mm -hmm. he was completely misunderstood. Mm -hmm. People always saw what they wanted to see in in his words and in, in his community. You know, like I feel like constantly in this uh, side B and in this queer world as Christians, it's all like that's the story of our lives. Is like people see and believe what they want to believe. Yeah. And but uh, again, like I think, doesn't it give us opportunities to be more like Christ? Like they called him, you know. A, a glutton and a drunkard yet it didn't change who he was with and how he chose to honor god with his life so yeah. i mean it's a hard thing to say but i think that's why i'm so inspired by nick's response that's like so built in compassion mm, yeah. um, is that he sees through someone's response to like the sort of cultural prison that they're in. Like he's yeah, like, yeah. oh, it's really sad that they're so stuck there. Um, like the, the way Jesus calls us to live is so countercultural and so life-giving. Yes. And when people are stuck in the cultural concepts, there's actually like real abundant life they're not finding. And so I love that, like, I mean, truly Nick is better at it than I am, but I, it, at my best, I will respond with so much compassion and just be like, man, it, it really hurts me that they've oh. never had a friend they could imagine sharing that much life with. Wow. Um, yeah. I wish it was easier for you to believe that a friend would stick by you like that. Well, and it's a great testimony, you and Nick, like what, whether people understand it or not, like you're undeniably faithful to God and faithful to one another. So like 
keep keep doing it. Like keep yeah. putting it in everybody's faces until they finally get it. Um, yeah, I, Nick, I think Nick considers it. himself a, a friendship apologist for sure. Yes. Like, like, like I was when I asked him if he felt okay with me doing this, he was like, "Yeah, we should talk about our friendship all the time, so other people can have friendship." Oh. Uh, which I, I love. But, I, you know, I, when we're talking about, like, haters and stuff, there is something I wanted to make sure to mention. Yes, no, please, like, please. It's so easy to build – when you live a life that gets very publicly criticized, mm-hmm. um, which, like, anyone who does LGBTQ ministry will face a lot, right? Like, we'll get articles and we'll get, like, whole YouTube dialogues about how we're heretics. Yes. Um, <laughs> one of the things that's been really vital for me is having people – who actually can criticize. Like we have people we actually have that their whole goal is to speak into our health. Um, wow. We've had meetings with our pastors before just to be like, Hey, we like our brothers and we really love each other. And also like, we want to do this well. Yes. Like, like that's, what's hard about the criticism is that there are moments where I know I need someone else's opinion in our relationship. And that list is so few. Um Ugh. But my, my therapist and I actually had to at one point sit down and write, like, who are the people that can come in and critique this relationship? Yeah. Who are the people who can come in and speak to our health? Because it's so easy to build a shell of, like, yes. no no one's criticism matters. But, yes. like, we need to live in community and we need people that will guide us in developing those relationships. And so, like, there were moments where Nick and I, went, especially when, before we moved in together, would go to my pastor and Ooh. be like, hey – are we crazy? Like, is this just totally <laughs> off base? And then when we did move in together, like my pastor um, and I were really close. And so we would talk and I'd be like, um, I feel like I have to forgive him like every three days. And my pastor would laugh and be like, yeah, I mean, I forgive my wife all the time. Yes. That's part of living with another adult is you're constantly forgiving someone. Yeah. Um, and I'm so glad I have people, but it's been really important to have people who can offer critique. All right. That is gold right there. Like I'm, I had never heard that from somebody else. This is why we need to talk more often. Yeah. <laughs> because I, I think I'm with you. Like I feel like I have to put up this barrier all the time. I'm just like shooting down the comments, um, and I've gotten more used to it. I remember actually in this very room I'm sitting in right now is the first time someone like straight up asked me, "Am I having an affair?" with my friend and it was one of the most painful things for multiple reasons one was that like you know like we just you love your friend so dearly the idea of like doing something so harmful or giving off the appearance of something so untoward is just so it just feels like gross and and hurtful um and then also for me I wasn't out to myself yet Mm. so the idea of somebody accusing me of even being remotely interested in another girl was like, oh, no, like, how dare you? Like, why would you ever assume that I would ever? And I remember saying to them, I was like, but I'm straight. So, like, why would you say that? And I needed to say it. Like, I just needed to because internal homophobia was, like, telling me to. But... I love what you just said because there is still that need of like, I need other people to have eyes on all of my relationships and on something so special and sacred as this friendship or this, you know, sisterhood, brotherhood, familyhood that like if I 
If I don't, then I run the risk of losing something so beautiful and important. So I, I love that idea, and I'm so glad that you found that in like your pastor and hopefully other people. I don't know if I even have that. I mean, I think I have it in my husband. He's like always got something to say, which is beautiful. Yeah. But you have to find like people you trust. Yeah, and, I, sure. and I think that helps me kind of lead into my next question slash it really speaks to our theme this season of resilience because these friendships these commitments aren't going to last if we're not really actually committed to them and there isn't a sense of like what do we do when times get hard right like how do we make this work for the long haul and it you know it sounds like you're really you both have like put things in place to do that yeah i I mean, honestly, I was really afraid of that in the beginning of just like that he's saying a lot of nice stuff. And I would tell him, like, dude, stop making promises. Like, it, it, it is not cruel of you to not be in my life for forever. It would be cruel of you to get me to count on you for forever. And then, oh. um, and so there's definitely been like a fear that that wouldn't work. And frankly, now those things have switched a bit. Like, it used to be I was just really scared he was just going to like up and leave. I think now it's changed where I'm like, I mean, frankly, was just in San Diego visiting some side B friends and was like, I want to move to San Diego. And this man is tying me down. <laughs> um, and like, I was so aware of actually how much I could hurt him by leaving mm. like, the friendship that we have and mm. like opting out of the level of commitment we've given to each other. Um, and I, what, once I asked my pastor, like, how is this possible? And he said, it is as possible as you are committed to it. Wow. And that was so wise. Uh, yes. said, as long as there's a back door open, you will take the back door. Absolutely. Uh, and that's so true because, like, people suck. Um, and I <laughs> love Nick. He's such a good man. But, man, he has hurt me. And he has not mm. shown up for me. Like, mm. he has not shown up for me in some moments. I mean, even the past, like, year and a half, there have been moments where I'm like, dude, you – you did not show up for me in ways you have promised me you would. Yes. And trust has been broken at times. Um, like we, it's, it's been hard to like learn how to be there for each other, but that's like any committed relationship. Yes. I mean, yes, we go through that in all, I mean, with families, we go through that with marriages, we go through that. Um, and so having to learn how to like stick by each other, it has required so much forgiveness. And for us, we always say like, as long as we start, a conversation or an argument or a conflict knowing that the end goal is like unity like knowing that at the end of this we're a family and we're going to fight for each other then we're good you mm. know we, we can talk about anything as long as we know at the end what the situation is but if there's ever a moment where i'm like man if this conversation goes poorly i think i have to opt out yeah then the whole conversation is terrible. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, the commitment actually drives the capacity for healing. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Did y'all just hear that? All right, can you say that again, please? The commitment to... drives the capacity for healing. Yes. I need to, like, I need to sit in that and just marinate. That is so beautiful. And, like, I, I'm just – I'm feeling so honored right now that I am talking to a single person who knows more about committed relationships than some of my married friends. Like, I'm just going to be real. No, but it's, it's true. And it's beautiful to me because I grew up in, you know, in a practice in my own faith where it's like, good pastors are ones that are married. Like you're, you can't be a pastor. You can't be a minister. You can't really speak into anyone's life unless you're married and you have kids because then you really know like the nitty gritty of life. 
And I'm listening to you and I'm like, this dude knows what's up. Like you, you have chosen just like anyone who is commit in a committed relationship. You have chosen to put yourself in a place where you're not giving yourself a back door to get out. You're not giving yourself room to just wash your hands of it. Like you're saying, I'm going to, I'm going to do this because I love you. And, and also because like God has called you to it. And I wish more of my, my married friends like could hear this wisdom. You know, I, I've actually thought a lot that one of the reasons marriages are so hard is because we don't actually practice commitment Mm. before marriage. Like, our whole wow, life, we, yeah. we view friendships as just like so optional and temporary that like, okay, well, that person hurt me so I can leave. And then suddenly, like that, those are our relational muscles we're building throughout wow. life. Wow. You mm-hmm. know, someone hurts you, you can leave. And then you get married and then your partner hurts you and you're like, your instinct is to leave. Like your instinct is to like walk out the door and that's a failed instinct. Like you cannot do that. Absolutely. And then what do you do? Whereas I think if we were to practice more commitment in our friendships, practice more loyalty in our friendships, we'd have more muscles for that when we get mm, married. Mm, mm. I wonder like how, how can the church help promote, how can we help promote this kind, these kind of relationships and how can we help like, I don't know if normalize is the right word, but how can we kind of like be more inviting of the idea of intimacy that isn't just sex and marriage. Because I think we're really, like I, I'm thinking, like we're robbing ourselves here yeah. of, of many people, single or not, having relationships that really like have some meat on their bones, like really, and that draw us closer to Jesus. So like, where are we failing? What do you, what do you think, Art? Like, where are you seeing these so- potholes, I guess? I say a lot that the church only talks about sexuality, and I think it applies to intimacy too, in terms of rejection and restraint. Mm, uh, talk about like it. Let me hear that. Growing up, like the only time sex was ever mentioned is like, here's the things you don't do. Yes. And if you do do it, there's rejection. So it's like all rejection and restraint. Whereas I think like scripture also talks about beautiful intimacy and joyful intimacy. Mm. And, intimacy. and so I think uh, surrounding this is like, how do we model a life for people that's like rooted in abundance? Wow. Um, and how do we give abundant examples of intimacy? Like, mm. how did Jesus have intimacy if he didn't have marriage or mm. sex? Mm. And can we talk about the intimacy in Jesus' life? I've, I've been really wow. compelled by um, Paul's letters, actually. Um, people see Paul as so hardline, but like, Paul actually has this like soft, squishy little interior where he ends his letters by saying, hey, can you send me my buddy? I'm actually really lonely and I need oh my friends. Oh my gosh, I love that. Like oh. if, you, if you pay attention to Paul's greetings at the end and beginning of his letters, there are so many call outs to the people he holds dear. And often he's saying, hey, can you please quickly send me my friend? Wow. I'm dying up here. Can someone um, preach that, please? <laughs> like, that is beautiful. But I think that's like that's why, like, if we would talk about that more, then we would go, oh, of course we have friends we stick with. Like, Paul had friends he stuck with, and Jesus had friends he, like, experienced intimacy with. Mm. Um, and I, I really think it's, it's like a walking away of scripture in favor of, like, the independent culture we have around us. Yes, yes, yes. Well, and how do we understand intimacy with God? If we don't understand intimacy with people, like if if intimacy is only reserved for those who are married, then what's the rest of 
the population to do. And mm-hmm. and also how do even married people learn what in- intimacy is? Like you mm-hmm. said, if we're not practicing it beforehand and if we're not like, how, yeah, how do we really understand what it looks like to be intimate with God and to be committed to that relationship if it hasn't been modeled for us? Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, that's that's good. I think always, I mean, we've, I feel like us in this side B conversation, we always go back to, we just need to stop centering marriage all the time and just broadening the conversation of intimacy. And I think it's why, like you mentioned David and Jonathan, I think that's why we hypersexualize their relationship. Because we can't imagine, like, we can't fathom that they would just be friends that really love each other. How is that even possible? Yeah. So, yeah, it's, that's really something. I'm, I'm so excited that you're public about it. And how is Nick doing with all of this? Like, I, as a pastor, like, what does it look like for him? It can be weird at times, I think. Um, I mean, I mostly work with queer people now, right? So, like, for me, it's actually been much easier and more free. When I was in ministry, there was definitely some weird moments. Um, but I think people understood it more on my end. They were like, oh, you're celibate. And this guy provides you a sense of community. Yeah, That's beautiful. Yes, yes. I think with Nick, people are like, what do you get out of this? Yes. You know, especially totally. He's got a girlfriend now and he's um, like, they're, they're getting more serious. And, uh, you know, it's totally feasible that in the next couple of years he could get married. Mm. And I can just see what people, where people are like, what's, why, why do this? What's the deal here? You know? Um, and so I think it is it's harder for him to explain to people. I think people have a harder time seeing why this would be a blessing to him. Whereas he would go, I get as much out of it as art does. Like, yeah. And yeah. He, he says all the time, like I'm going to be a healthier husband because I have an art in my life. Wow. Um, not a worse husband. Like I'm going to be a better husband. And frankly, like we see it in his dating relationship. Now there are just conversations he's able to have or like ways he's able to care for his girlfriend that he learned those muscles in like having committed friendships and like learning loyalty to people. Mm. Absolutely. Wow, that's good. Yeah, I, I as probably again on the other side of this yeah. kind of friendship, like I get it. Whenever I have to have the awkward conversation with people who are like, "Um, so who is she?" Because I can't get away with saying that she's my sister because she's white. And <laughs> well, Nick's white too, and so then there's like, like people are really oh, quickly like, yeah, people uh, are like, y'all are related. <laughs> like, who's adopted? <laughs> like. Yeah. Yeah, I it doesn't work as well, but I, I've done it, and I I kind of like the like look on people's faces, like, <laughs> sister, like yeah. sister. Oh, okay. Um, but I I just think like last night, for example, I get so much out of this relationship. Last night, I was I was having a rough day all day, just feeling like I was failing at every turn, and then I put my kids to sleep. My husband, Aaron's cleaning in the kitchen. I'm sitting in the kitchen and Aaron's like trying to like talk with me and like comfort me. And sometimes like it just, it, you hear things different from different people, right? Like, let's just be real. You do. So don't like, I hope listeners aren't like, oh gosh, what's wrong with their relationship? Like I love, my husband gives amazing advice and then I hear it from someone else. And when I hear from him, I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. And then I hear from someone else. And especially my therapist. And I'm like, Aaron, my therapist told me to do X, Y, and Z. I literally just told you that yesterday. So anyways, he's giving me advice and like trying to be comforting, but it's just not hitting. It's not hitting. And then Masha walks into the kitchen and I just look at her and I'm like, 
I had a bad day. And I just start crying. And she's like coming over and hugging me. And she's telling me the same thing Aaron's telling me. And I'm like, okay, you're right. You're right. <laughs> but then Aaron comes over and it's like a whole family moment. And my yeah. kids wake up because they hear me crying and they're like hugging me. Aww. It was very sweet. But then afterwards, Masha's like, let's go listen to a podcast fold the clothes in your bedroom and put them away because I hate doing laundry. Right. So she literally, I had to finish doing work and she literally sat on my floor and folded all my clothes and put them away. And I just thought like, I'm almost going to cry now. Like this, there's so, obviously there's way more to the friendship than serving one another, but I am so blessed that I have somebody who loves me so dearly, who would yeah. sit on my floor and fold my clothes for me and help me listen to a podcast when I've had a really bad day. Right. Um, so, yeah, I I believe 100% that Nick is like, he is flourishing because of this relationship with you. So I know he thanks you, but I'm thanking you on behalf of him. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. So, um, yeah, let's let's keep talking about, like, how do we make these these relationships work? You know, especially since so much of culture is telling us that they're not even really a thing. So how do you like how do you deal with changes in in your relationship, Um, not just with Nick, maybe with the with the other brothers, too, like when different life occurrences happen when somebody gets married somebody moves like you said nick's now in a relationship like obviously those dynamics change things right about your relationship so how do you how do you keep the relationship going and and how do you make the necessary changes because change happens in a good way in relationships too they grow so what does that look like for you yeah i you know i have um a lot of compassion here for other side b people where I, i see people like watch their friend get married and there's a lot of loss. And I think a lot of people are not like faithful friends in those seasons. Um, But one of the things I think we make the mistake of doing, and I know I've done is we get really tight and we hold on super tightly to what the friendship has been. Wow. Yeah. Um, All my committed friendships have required a lot more flexibility than I ever thought. Um, which is like, uh, sometimes people ask me like, so you're going to live in Nick's house the rest of your life. I'm like, I actually don't know exactly what it'll look like. Like, and we've, we've talked about, there'll be seasons where I live next door and they're mm-hmm. like, you know, in, in my ideal world, we, we buy a bridge house, but like, who's got the money? Um, again, maybe when, if Ethereum blows up. Yeah. When you got yeah. that Bitcoin, it's coming <laughs> Um, but like, like we are we have to have some flexibility to what like what life will look like um we've had changes in careers and jobs and relationships um when jack moved to illinois like for the first two months we didn't talk and so finally i called him and i was like jack this is not working buddy yeah you know like i don't even know what's going on in your life you just got married you moved across the country you're surrounded by corn like what's going on the corn Um, is really scary it's a problem (laughs) I feel like people think I hate corn because I, I, I'm realizing I also made the same joke in my revoice talk and I just, but truly like Illinois is like a coin hell, a corn hellscape. And it's just like <laughs> the worst. Um, but like, so then we, we had a standing Thursday morning Skype date. Mm. Um, this was before any of us had Zoom because it was pre-pandemic. But we had like this standing time and honestly half the time one of us would forget or oversleep or something would happen. Um, but it was just the idea that we were trying to be regularly in each other's lives and that was so valuable so i think it's meant like 
holding tightly to each other while holding loosely to structure. I like that. Yeah. Um, and it, like for me, loving people who are going to be partnered. Okay. Convicting thing. Nick and I spent like, we've read every side B book. He read spiritual friendship with me. We've read all these books about like side B. One day he looked at me and he said, Hey, we've really talked about how I can help you carry your vocation, but we've never talked mm. about how you can carry my vocation. Mm. Uh, and then I was like, wow, I'm a bad friend. <laughs> like, <laughs> never got my mind. And so Thanks I started having reminded. to think about like, what does it look like to be a good friend to my married friends? Mm. Um, I've like taken that for granted and been so unkind to them in that. And so I've had to go back to a lot of my brothers and their wives and actually repented of ways I've been selfish wow. um, and only thought about how I need them to be good friends to me. And so that's meant like loving someone who's going to be married means loving the people they love. It means making yes. room in my life for my sisters-in-law um, and for my nieces wow. and my nephew. Um, it means like establishing rhythms of how I stay connected to them. So if there's ever two months that go by and one of my nieces hasn't seen me, I've probably done a bad job. Mm -hmm. um, like wanting to be regular, not just with my buddy, but with like his people and his family. Um, and yeah. so like as Nick dates, that's meant making a lot of time for his girlfriend. Um, and so his, uh, we're actually going to get lunch after this. Um, so his girlfriend's become my close friend and yes. she's someone I fight for. Um, it, as my brothers get married, it means fighting for their spouses and um, means fighting for their kids. And mm. so like there's ways I invest in my nieces, you know, I'm not going to have kids. And so I don't give them birthday or Christmas presents. I just put money in a uh, savings account and I'm going to help pay for college. You know? Oh my gosh. Um, there's oh. just like, structural ways we can love our partnered friends mm. that if we live too much in like the fear of side B and the anxiety of it, yes. we will miss out on how it, what it actually looks like to love our friends. So, so good. And I, I, I remember I've talked about this the whole two times I've been on this podcast. Um, but like, I, I was just telling a, a new friend this morning, I really just, I'm committed to not taking pity on people because they're side B, because look at you, dude, like talk about resilience, like talk about a full life and a committed, not just friendship, but committed family. Like mm -hmm. you're saving up for your kid, for your niece and nephew's um, college. Like I'm not even doing that for my own kids. Like <laughs> <laughs> that, it just speaks volumes and it, it doesn't make me like, how can anyone feel sorry for you? You have a rich, rich family. And yeah. that is so beautiful. Yeah, my life is super full of love and I'm very aware of it. And it requires, like, there would have absolutely been loss in all those relationships if I insisted on the same friendship we had before marriage. Wow. Yeah. If I were to be like, wow, we never spend time alone anymore. Like, I probably see Tommy alone once every two months. And every other time there's, like, little children running around our ankles. And yeah. I, like... I don't like kids. So like, I think people think like, oh, that's easier for some people. I truly struggle to like children. Like I love teenagers, but yeah. if you're under 11, like I need so much prayer. I literally like pray in the car on the way to visit my nieces mm. and I've got a good 50 minutes before I scream, you know, but like it, it's just part of loving your people as, yeah. as you have to show up and you have to love their kids. You have to love your spouse. Like, and that's that's no different from any other again we're going back like this is the theme it's like no different from any other committed relationship like i i also don't like kids <laughs> and i have two of them you know like <laughs> <laughs> yes i also do a lot of praying um <laughs> you know but i there are times where like i'm not a huge fan of my husband and we're in a big fight or you know the list goes on however 
When you're committed to people, you're committed to them. And when you're, and that's why I love family language. Cause like when you're family, you, you don't have a choice. Like you figure it out. Yeah. You figure it out. And what's beautiful is like you had the opportunity to choose. You chose initially. And now as things grow and they change, you continue to choose every day. Yeah. I always say we're stuck together, so we better make this the best possible situation to be stuck in. Um, I think sometimes people say we're stuck together and then it's an excuse to do whatever you want. But it's like, no, if we're going to be stuck in here, then we got to make it awesome. Yeah, let's do it right. Let's have fun with it. So, so good. Okay, so I want to ask a bit of a hard question and you don't need – Please don't feel like you have to make it personal. I almost don't want you to because I don't know if I'm ready for this in our relationship. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But um, so again, on the theme of like, how do we make this work? Being resilient in these kind of friendships. What what advice would you give to someone, or have you ever seen, maybe in your life or in other people who have these kind of relationships? like issues of codependency or dealing with codependency and friendship? And how do you avoid like the temptation of codependency um, as you navigate? Yeah, I mean, uh, remember that part where I said that like as a child, I just wanted to like lock everyone up and keep them. Like that's like, I feel like that's my default is that sort of mindset. (laughs) Um, And I've had to grow so much. Like, I mean, first of all, there's just no substitute for good therapy. Um, And Mm. I just praised God for my counselor who's been in my life for four years and has been so helpful. Um, But like just some things I've learned is first of all, having a network of friends is super important because I think Mm. in the friendship world, we sometimes make the same mistake we accuse others of making with romantic relationships. Yes. We feel like we can get away with it because we're not romantic. Um, But like, I totally see that we're constantly talking about like, hey, your your spouse cannot be your end all be all. Like that is not a healthy way to live. But then we do that with one friend. We pick one friend. They're like, well, they're my end all be all. Yeah. They're not my spouse. It's okay. You know, Um, I am such a healthier person when I have a thriving network of friendship. Um, This guy, Adam Young, has a a podcast um, called The Place We Find Ourselves. And he uses the concept of interdependence. Um, and like, I think in America we go, Ooh, codependence better become really independent, better like push people away. But, um, the, the word interdependence has become really beautiful to me. This system where multiple people lean on each other at all times. Um, and so I shoot for that in my relationships. Nick and I have to have other friends. I have to make sure there's people, um, meeting my emotional needs and like sharing life with me in real and intimate ways. Um, and frankly, like. Lately, I've, I've had some better side B friends, and that's been such a gift because there's just stuff Nick can't understand um, for being straight. And so there's yeah. like stuff I can explain to him and he'll fight with me for, but like having side B friends has been so life-giving because they just get it. Yeah. Um, and so building a network of relationships is super vital for both of us, um, making sure that we are invested in other relationships. And so for me, that means like making sure he's making time for his girlfriend. Um, we, we usually check in early in the week about when we're getting quality time together. And I always ask him, he's introverted. I am not. So I always ask him like, when are you getting time alone? When are you getting time with your girlfriend? Yeah. Um, and like empowering his other relationships, you know, um, making sure that we don't just like, I'm some, I love one-on-one time. It's just like in any relationship. Like I would always rather just be me, you alone with a cup of coffee. Um, yeah. And that for me means sometimes intentionally inviting other people into like alone time. 
um, because otherwise I just like get so focused on one relationship. Yes, that's and really so good. Doing communal things, um, playing board games with a bunch of friends, like stuff like that. And also this, like, this is, I feel like undervalued, but um, I've had more hobbies the past two years and just like being able to enjoy my own company. Um, I'm crocheting a lot right now, which is super funny. And oh, I feel like what are you making? Uh, I'm currently making a blanket. Actually, I'm making a blanket for Nick's girlfriend for her birthday. Oh my gosh. So but cute. like having hobbies is so life-giving because it's a reminder that there's so much pleasure and delight in life that is not tied into this other person. Really good. Um, I think God made us for that, made us to experience so much different forms of beauty and connection that don't just rely on one other person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, it sounds like you really have some good things in place. Like you're actively trying. I mean, you already have a good accountability. Yeah. And then you're actively saying, like, again, I value this relationship so much. And I, I feel the same way. Like, I value this relationship so much that I'm not going to smother this person. And I'm totally prone to smothering. Like, that's my default is, like, like so I'm not standing on, like, a high horse of, like, other people and codependent. Like, yeah. that is, if I am not careful, I will sure. absolutely pick one person, make them everything, and put a burden on them they could never carry. Okay. Uh, yeah. We can't so be I'm chosen friends, Art, you and me, because yeah. we're <laughs> going to wear each other's skin, apparently. Yeah, that's <laughs> exactly <laughs> right. That's correct. No, but it's good. Like, it's – you're self-aware, and, and, like, you care enough about Nick and your other brothers – yeah. That you want what's best for them. And I think about that too. Like my my friend, she is she's very much an introvert and she is not a people person. So she's happy to not like hang out with a bunch of people all the right. time. And there are seasons and times where I've had to say, I need to encourage her to go hang out with other people because I would be totally happy if she never talked to anybody else and like – only hung out with me forever. Right, exactly. And she recently got a dog. And honestly, that I think that dog has been such a blessing. Like, I see, as much as the dog, I have a love-hate relationship with this dog because it pees everywhere in my house. <laughs> um, I'm thankful because I see, like, this is another, like, being that she can love on and care yeah. for and be responsible for. And it isn't me. Like, I'm not the only person that, like, greets her with a hug and other than my husband and my kids but like there's there's something that is like hers a relationship that's really hers and I've literally told her before like dude I'm kind of jealous of this dog (laughs) (laughs) you get to go on like now I don't get one-on-one walks with you we got to take the dog with us but no but I, I I've also thought recently I'm really glad that you that you're finding like you said hobbies and Having other friends, we recently travel. We travel all the time together. And the last trip, we went to El Salvador. And I was like, let's bring someone else. Like, let's throw somebody else in the mix. Not because I don't, like, love you and want to travel with you. But I think it would be good. Like, we don't need this to just be our thing. Yeah. And it was perfect to, like, have other friends That was like a moment in health that was life-changing for me is I feel like I've always been so protective of alone time with friends. Mm. And when I started being more open to like more interconnected community, that was really helpful and has been – all my relationships are healthier because I have less one-on-one time with all those people. I still need that one-on-one time. Yes, um, absolutely. But like – you know, my brothers and I play Dungeons and Dragons together um, every two weeks. And that is like such a beautiful time for us. And that's so special because we do it together. Um, 
And then there's just like other things that I'll, I'm going to go do and I might invite Nick to do with me or I might not. And I might bring other friends. Um, but just like interconnecting those relationships has been a serious game changer in my health. So good. Yeah. And it, I'm sure it also helps other relations. Like it's all, yeah. it's yeah. all connected. Yeah. Like your relationship with other friends are going to be better because you're stewarding these relationships well. And well, and like, I feel like I've learned it's selfish. Like Nick is such a good man. I mean, truly he's such a good guy. I'm biased, but he's like one of the best people I know. Um, a lot of side B people who stay here end up saying his defining trait is that he's wholesome. And that's really true. Like he is. And so like, I've learned like it's such a gift to share him with other people. Yeah. Because he's such a good friend to them. And like, what a blessing and what a shame it would be if I was so protective of that, that I actually kept him from being like a really beautiful gift to other people. Mm, So beautiful. Yeah. So great. Okay. All right. I want to dive. I want to dive a little, a little bit deeper again. I don't know if I'm ready to know all this. Yeah. But I'm this is the question that always comes up, I feel like. I think I know where you're going. Okay. And you, look, do with it what you will. We can talk about, you know, your other friend who might have this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but I'm curious, um, like, what what would you advise or how have you dealt with or how would you explain to other people what it looks like or what happens when there might be the addition of romantic or sexual attraction for any of your committed friends. Um, Cause I, I feel like, especially if it's like two people who are same sex attracted, it's kind of inevitable, especially if you're single, you know, there's, it's probably going to happen. So let's just put it out there. You know, how do you navigate these things? Cause I've also, I've heard people talk about this before and they're like, Oh, you can't be friends with them anymore. Yeah. Like it's, it's over. It's well, done. And I had like a few years in like ex gay spaces. And so there was a big, like all my training was like the second you start to get too close, you got to leave. Mm. You got to leave. Um, and so that's been a hard thing to break. Um, I like, as a disclaimer up front, someone once saw a picture of me with all my brothers and they were like, are all your brothers hot? Yeah. Um, so all my it brothers might have been are me. Like, I think I said that to you. No. I, I've gotten it multiple times. So like all my brothers are real cuties and um truly they're yeah, they're the sweetest and like we're we're really close. My brothers have been super kind and like affectionate with me over the years and um I absolutely I've most experienced this tension with Nick, which we've like I've been honest about in other spaces, mm. so I have no problem talking about. Um <laughs> There was this like infamous conversation we had on his like 24th birthday of all, like we're out to dinner for his birthday and I was like trying really hard to be normal and he could, t- I'm not good at being normal if I'm in a bad place. Like okay. I, all my emotions are on my sleeve and he was like, would you just tell me what's going on? And I was like, no, it's your birthday. And he was like, yeah, it's my birthday. Tell me what's going on. I get what I want. Uh, and I was like, what if I fall in love with you? And I crying into my salad. Um, and he said the best thing anyone could have said, which is, we're brothers, so we'll figure that out. Like, mm. our relationship does not become optional when you commit some emotional sin that you're so worried about. Like, wow. Like, and in, I think in our head, we have so much shame from being queer that we're like, wow, the second I have feelings, this will yes. like self-destruct this relationship. And for Nick to just be like, bro, we're brothers. And then he was he was so sweet. He was like, "Plus, I'm your brother. How could you have a crush on me? Gross!" And I like, love it. made light of it in like this really sweet way. Um, and it was so like disarming to my shame. Um, and that's actually been really helpful. Is to 
like be honest about that with myself um often with like having friends i know i can be like yeah definitely crushing on this person a little bit more these days yeah one thing that was helpful was like nick and i were talking about this one day and he said you know i have like moments where i have where i find a friend attractive right and i i think i like start to label all problems as unique to queer people and like oh. we live in first life. But, like our straight friends are constantly in love with each other and we of just never course. know about it of course. Um, I mean, and if you watch Grey's Anatomy, for like every- thirty years, I know what that I know what that's like. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying like so many of my straight friends have had crushes on friends and had to navigate that. So it's been really like shame reducing because honestly, in my experience, attraction does not kill relationships nearly as much as shame does. Yes, um, so it is our good. shame and our fear that like kills everything for us and so if i would like bring my attraction whether it's romantic or sexual to jesus and bring it into good community i often find that god does beautiful things with it because mm-hmm. jesus is a redeemer like period yeah. that's who he is he doesn't stop being a redeemer and oh. i was the one who got convinced god couldn't redeem these parts of my life god was never convinced of that oh, um, what i found is that the more i come to jesus with like these moments of attraction like physical or otherwise to, to my friends, like God has given me more love for my friends, not less. Oh. Um, and he has purified that love and he's made it like holy and beautiful um, and has removed like all lust for my love for my friends. And oh. not that that's never, that's always been the case, but there's like every time it comes up, I just go to him and go like, all right, Lord, what are we doing? Yeah. And he makes those relationships more beautiful. Yeah. Um, wow. And I'm so thankful for my friends who've walked with me in that. And so I do, I might have friends be like, yeah, I have, I definitely have been like struggling more with this lately. Can you help me process that? Um, so having friends that we like go to community with and, and wrestle through those things together. Um, I don't think it's always best to talk to the other person about the fact that you think they're hot, you know? I, um, honestly, Art, thank you for saying that. I, I, <laughs> I know people are all over the spectrum right. on what to do, but I'm yeah. always, I'm in the camp of, can you talk to somebody else maybe yeah. like don't tell the other person that you think that they're like and especially if it's unprocessed <laughs> like i i was processing with my therapist once and he was like hey i think at this point you can talk to nick about some of these feelings and i was like are you crazy and like, he was really like i think that could be a good like if you guys are going to share this much life together you have to be able to navigate these moments yeah yeah um but so i think like especially the initial processing should be in other spaces should be with a counselor a pastor uh, a friend you trust because our friend is going to have their own anxiety or like worries about that or like their own feelings. Yeah. And sharing life together means carrying each other's feelings and sensitivities. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm going to come talk to Nick, for example, and be like, Hey, like lately I feel like I have more romantic feelings for you. And I just expect him to be emotionless about that and just only carry my feelings about that. That is so unfair to him. Of course he's having his own emotional responses and I have to be ready to carry that with him. Yes. So yes. if I process that elsewhere, we can engage. Yeah. But if I haven't, then like he might have a flinching response and I'm like, I knew it. I knew it was going to ruin everything. Yes. And Nick happens to be the sort of person who like has wanted to know when those feelings came up and has wanted to work through that together and carried that with me. Mm. But I think there would be other friends who would be like, I don't want to know when that happens. And that would not make them a worse friend. Totally. Um, I think that would be like, honestly, if I had a side B friend who was constantly telling me, like they were experiencing a lot of attraction to me, I might be like, I don't know what what's helpful here about this. Like, I don't know what we're going to get from this conversation, but I've got nothing for you. You yeah. know, I would um, be like, of course you are. <laughs> I've got very nice eyebrows. And that's very reasonable for you. Um, 
but yeah, so I think first of all, we've got to make peace with the fact that like romantic and sexual attraction happens, period. Yes. And not just yes. us. Like our straight friends have it all the time. Totally. Um, and it does not mean almost anything. Yes. <laughs> Yes. And I think in committed friendship, you're often sharing so much space that then there might be conversations about, like, are there boundaries that are helpful? And I don't think we have to make those shameful things. Um, Nick and I have had conversations about boundaries, whether it's around just like, I don't know, like whatever, like in sharing a light, uh, like a house with someone, like there's, you're sharing a bathroom, you're like sharing a lot of conversations in space. Um, I'm also Brazilian. And so we're like high touch. Oh. I'm an affectionate, I'm an affectionate person for Brazilian. So that means I'm like eight times as touchy as the average American. Um, and so like even having conversations about like touch where like my family grew up watching, like I would watch movies and I was not even that close with my dad, but I would watch movies with my legs on my dad's lap. And, oh like, my gosh. Was, until like the day he died when I was 19. So wow. like, like, I don't know how to watch a movie with someone where there's not some sort of physical touch. Cause mm. I'm like, that's weird. Why do you hate me? Yes. Um, yes. Yes. And Nick had to like, Nick was like, he would probably sit in a different chair altogether. From <laughs> up to him and so just even navigating stuff like that um has been really important to do that in ways mm. that honors him too yeah. and so i think like having conversations about touch having conversations about like and whatever the intimacy is and being honest with yourself um about like what can be triggering for you in like arousal or lust mm. like that's really mm -hmm. um, and having spaces where we're processing that yeah and yeah that's so 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 good i think first to just admit that like you said that if you're a human being, you get attracted to other human beings at some point, and that's okay. Like, actually, it's more than okay. It's good. It's what you were created to be, and it is part of, like, the image of God in you, and that's a whole nother episode. But I, I think, like, the admitting it is so good because – and I think – for straight people, like you said, yes, it happens. It's the same. Nothing's different. However, they don't carry that shame mm -hmm. in the same way that we do. It's like the moment that the interest happens, it's like, oh, my God, like that in and of itself is wrong. Like the fact that I even acknowledge this is wrong. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that that's harmful because then we don't really get to work through it. You know, like, but what you're doing is you're working through it. Again, like any other committed relationship, like I'm a married woman. I still have eyes. Like I see other people, but I make the decision every day to commit to my husband, like to only have that level of intimacy and that kind of relationship with him. Yeah. And, and that's because of my commitment to him. So I think like even it doesn't matter if your committed friend is – gay, straight, queer, whatever, like they, if you care about them, then you want to do what's best for them. If you care right. about your soul, then you want to do what's best for your soul and re for your relationship with God. And it, the existence of attraction isn't the problem. It isn't a problem. It's like, what do we do and how do we navigate it in a way that's loving and caring? Yeah. One of the best things anyone ever told me, I was I had this season, this was a few years ago, where I like freaked out about um, really being, frankly, the fear makes everything worse. I've I've always been afraid I would fall in love with Nick. And at one point I was like, wait, what if I just don't do it? <laughs> and what then, if like, that happens? Well, like, I think like a lot of, like the fear makes it almost happen. Like yeah. I was so afraid of it that I was like, every, like I would miss him after a vacation and be like, I love him. Oh no, yeah, you know? yeah, totally. Um, and I had a friend who said to me, 
don't you trust that God wants to give you beautiful, chaste mm. friendships? Mm. And so don't you trust, like, why don't you ask God to give you chaste love for the people around you? Wow. And ask him to give you more chaste love, not less love. Yeah. And I was like, oh, wait, of course God wants that for me. Like, God wants me in community and God wants me to have people who love me and who I love and wants that to be chaste. Yes. So I can constantly ask God for that. And God wants to give that. Like, that's the thing God's like, yeah, here you go. Yes. So, so good. All right. Okay. We just need, we need to grab coffee, you and yeah. me. We're only and like just, an hour away. Let's do yes, it. Yes. <laughs> let's do it. I'm, I won't make you come into the city because I know you hate it. <laughs> I'll come to New Jersey. No, just kidding. No, I love New Jersey. We were just there this weekend. It's, it's a lovely, it's a lovely place. Um, but before I let you go, Art, because this was absolutely fabulous. Thank you for shedding so much light on this. Thank you for kind of bearing your soul about it. And I, uh, listeners, I hope that you're really valuing what you heard today because I think it was a special gift to all of us. So Art, thank you for being that gift. And thanks to your lovely brothers for the example that they are of Christ. So I could go on, but yes, many <laughs> thanks. But before we let you go, um, this season we are asking all of our guests uh, to answer one question to finish up, us off. And that question is, uh, if you could say something to the younger you, your younger self, pick whatever age, what would you say as it relates to, you know, your, your sexuality, your experience? At, at any age, the advice would be the same. Um, believe that God wants to give you good gifts and wake up every day and ask him to. Um, my mom started just a little side note on this. My mom, when I was like 16, was like, just pray for good friends. God will send them. And I was the loneliest kid. And then I had terrible friendship experiences in college. But I would wake up every day and say, God, give me good friends and show me who to love. Wow. Um, and today I feel like the compliment I most get is that I have the best friendships of, uh, that people have seen. And honestly, I just think like we'll literally wake up every day and say, God, you want to give me good gifts. You want to give me good relationships uh, and ask God and ask God. And like in six years, you'll turn around and go, when did that happen? You know, yeah. that's a lot of my experience is that God has been so faithful to that prayer. Um, so I would, I would tell myself at a younger age, to just believe that God wants to give you good gifts and keep mm. asking. Mm. Well, I know baby art would have appreciated that. So <laughs> I think so. I'm glad you got to say that. And for anyone else out there who needed to hear that today, art again, you've been such a blessing and may that last little gift be a blessing to all of you. Thank you tremendously, and thanks all you listeners out there. Uh, we will see you on our next episode.